Great to see you here this morning. Missed you last week, but uh, you're back. And uh, greetings to those of you that are home. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in uh, and, uh, and watching this morning. Um, I would have you turn in your Bibles to uh, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, where we're continuing on in the book of Hebrews in God's Hall of Faith, or Faith's Hall of Fame, as they call it. And we are going to be looking at verse 31 today and its corresponding passage in Joshua chapter 2. But we'll start with Hebrews 31, 11, rather, 31. And uh, it's just one verse today, but again, we'll go back to the Old Testament background and, and, and spend more time in it. Um, verse 31 says, By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. I want you to think for just a moment this morning about people that others had written off before they became famous. People that others had written off before they became famous. I'll go through a couple of these people here. The first person, after singing at a concert, was told by the concert manager that he would be better off going home and driving trucks for a living. Anybody want to guess who that was? Elvis, Elvis Presley. Yeah, <laughs> he missed it by a mile, didn't he, that guy? Um, on his high school report card, it said, this person doesn't wear socks, doesn't cut his hair, and might be developmentally disabled. The young man they were describing was Albert Einstein. Missed that one by a mile. Another man was being interviewed for a football coaching position, and they came back and said, he knows a little bit about football, but probably won't go too far. They were interviewing Vince Lombardi, the Hall of Fame coach from the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and then the last one here. This, uh, another report is about two men. And uh, they said they have crazy ideas and they're idealistic and somewhat comical. These two young men were Orville and Wilbur Wright, okay, who were instrumental in the invention of the airplane. And this is exactly the type of thing that many would have said about this woman that we're going to look at today whose faith we'll be looking at, and that's Rahab. And she is more commonly known in the scriptures, every mention but one about Rahab, she is mentioned in the scriptures as Rahab the prostitute or Rahab the harlot. And no doubt Rahab would have been one of those people that were written off by the people around her. She would not have been elected model citizen of the year in Jericho. She would have been written off. And yet, despite of her immoral lifestyle, God so radically changed her and used her that she is now included in God's Hall of Faith or Faith's Hall of Fame, okay? And she has a lot to teach us about faith, not just faith for salvation, but faith as a lifestyle for us as Christians. And I want to be specific about it for those of us who are Christians throughout the whole year. There are some things that we're going to learn about Rahab that will serve us throughout this next year in maybe ways that we've never experienced before as we look at her life. Okay? And so the title of the message today is From the Wall of Shame to the Hall of Fame. From the Wall of Shame to the Hall of Fame. The Faith of Rahab. And we'll start in verse 31, but we're, again, we're going to go back to Joshua 2 here momentarily. But what are some truths about uh, 
faith for salvation and living the Christian life by faith can we learn from Rahab and apply to our lives throughout this next year? As Dylan said, um, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough couple years for many, many people and for our church and for lots of churches. In fact, probably most all churches. And how do we make the most out of rough times? How do we get through our year really, without sounding cliche, in victory and in blessing. Rahab's going to show it to us this morning. From the wall of shame to the hall of fame. First thing that Rahab shows us, and we can't go past this before we get to some other things, is that she shows us that you don't need to be perfect to have a personal faith. You don't need to be perfect to have a personal faith. And I've read that here in, in verse 31 of, of Hebrews 11, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient, but the fuller story is back in Joshua chapter two. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or, and look with me up on the screen, Joshua chapter two uh, tells us about the life of Rahab. So let's go for 11 verses in chapter two and see what it says. And then Joshua, son of Nun, so we really had no parents at all. Um, think about it. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. And so the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken two men and hidden them and she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. To put it simply, she lied. Okay, let's just... Get past that right away, okay? But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. And so the men sent out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. So, um, Obviously, it goes without saying, we see here in verse 31 of Hebrews 11 and here in chapter 2 of Joshua, that Rahab was far from a perfect person. Far from a perfect person. She was a prostitute. And it's, this is mentioned in every, every time that Rahab is mentioned, every passage refers to as Rahab the prostitute or in some of your versions, Rahab the harlot. There's only one out of all the places in Scripture where she's met, not mentioned with that title. And yet here she is in God's hall of faith, God's hall of fame. 
You know, you'd be surprised how many people feel like they need to uh, get their act together, fix their past, go on a self-improvement program in order to get saved. But, you know, if anything teaches us that that's not true, the story of Rahab teaches that. Okay, it puts that idea that we have to improve ourselves to get into heaven totally at rest. Okay, that's by the grace of God, not by the works of man. He wants us, God, to show us that by faith, Rahab had gone from an unsaved pagan, an unbeliever, to being a true believer. And I don't know if you hear my voice accentuate the last part of verse 11, but I did it on purpose because Rahab says here in verse 11, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And I think that was her conversion statement. I think as far as an Old Testament believer came to be saved, that was what they needed to believe in order to acquire righteousness in the eyes of God. That's what she said. And she tells us that this had happened actually before she hid the spies, which was an act of obedience. Even though she lied, it was an act of obedience. Figure it out for yourselves. That's just the way it is. Okay? Don't say, why did she lie? I don't want to answer that question, okay? Because I don't know. She just did, and it was God's will. Sort of. Anyway, um, here's the deal. She knew that her people, the Canaanites, were going to get judged by the Lord. She knew it. She felt it. She sensed it. She uh, uh, was aware of it, that, that the Canaanites were going to be judged by God. And she did not want to come under that judgment. She had seen that they, all the other paganites and, and, and anti-God belief systems and peoples had been drastically judged by God. She knew it was going to happen in Jericho, and she didn't want any part of it. And so she turned her life over to the living and true God. Really reminds me of my own conversion. When I was a 17-year-old kid in high school, and through the testimony of some Christian neighbors, I began to realize I was headed for hell and not heaven. And I didn't want to go there. And I began to study the New Testament. And I began to study what Jesus was all about, all without anybody knowing about it. And I soon realized that I was under judgment. But I also realized by the grace of God that if I turned my life over to Jesus Christ and repented of my sin and trusted him as my Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of sins, that I would be out from under the judgment of God and into his grace. And that's exactly what happened. I understand where Rahab is coming from here. She doesn't want to be judged. And take no shame in receiving Christ as Lord and Savior so that you're not coming under the judgment of God. Jesus says, if your eye keeps you from being in heaven, pluck it out. If you have to cut off part of your body to get into heaven, cut it off. Do whatever is necessary to escape the eternity in hell apart from God. There's no shame in that. That's why Christ died, to save sinners. And so that's what Rahab did. And she knew that God was going to judge uh, a Jericho. And, you know, there are people that have read the passages about how God judged Jericho and how severe that judgment was, every living thing. But they don't realize some of the background of that. You know, God had been warning the, the, the people of Jericho and those who were not of Israel for 400 years previous to that to repent 
of their evil ways. 400 years of God's patience. It wasn't just a snap decision by a mean God. He had given them 400 years to turn to him. Somebody said that, that the truth is that humanity was better off without the Canaanites because these people were an idolatrous, wicked, horribly immoral, sexually perverted people. They were known for their extreme cruelty and violence and paganism. Among other things, they would frequently put live babies in jars and build them into their walls as foundation sacrifices. I could go on and on about their lifestyle, but I don't really need to. And Rahab knew that they were going to come under judgment. And uh, she turned to God, and God graciously granted her new life through faith. Um, You know, that's a miracle. Because Rahab and her family were the only ones, as as far as we can tell, in the whole city that turned to God and were saved. And yet, aren't all conversions miracles? When you think about it? When you really think about it, aren't all conversions miracles when, when you think about what we were before and after Christ? Um, I think we're, at the risk of offending anybody here this morning, I think that before Jesus, we were all Rahabs and Canaanites. And I hope that doesn't rub your pride the wrong way. Actually, I do hope that rubs your pride the wrong way. Because none of us should be proud about the fact that we got saved, right? This is an act of God that we didn't deserve. I love what the Apostle Paul said in the second chapter of Ephesians. Listen to what he said, chapter two, verses one through seven. And the first, the first finger is pointed out, but then all of a sudden he changes fingers. As for you, you were, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And then he changes fingers. He says, and this is Paul, the Pharisee, maybe one of the most righteous people in terms of obeying the law on his own in all of history. And it says, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following after its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Yeah, praise God. And so, you know, we're all really Rahabs. Paul knew he was a Rahab. We need to know we were Rahabs, and it was by God's grace he made us alive with Christ. And how blessed we are. And I will call for an amen at this time in the service. Amen? Amen. Okay. I'm trying to cut down on my amens, but uh, I couldn't help it there. So the truth is that Rahab had been hearing about the God of Israel for a long time. Her heart had been touched and convicted by the Holy Spirit and finally converted. You know, she, she humbly, repentantly refers to uh, God as Yahweh four times, 9, 10, 11, and 12. She's truly, truly, truly believing in the true God of the Old Testament. And God graciously, sovereignly, kindly, mercifully 
picked her out from among the Canaanites to believe, and she did. And I want you to think about that for your own lives. And think about the world around you, your neighbors, your coworkers, your schoolmates, the people you go to school with. And then I hope you get a lump in your throat and think how gracious God has been to you and I to give us new life in Christ. Think about that this new year. But so he shows, uses Rahab to show us that our past sin doesn't disqualify us for salvation. I never know who's out there watching. Someone might have turned to YouTube or to Facebook page or whatever just because, and they, don't, they may not know Christ, and they may think that they're not good enough to get into heaven, and that would be true. But they ought to also know that, that, that however good or bad they are is not a barrier for God to bring them into the kingdom of God. Okay? Because Christ died to save sinners. I mean, you look at his earthly life in the Gospels. I mean, he's saving bad people all over the place. We could go into detail. I, this is why at Christmas time, I always love, I didn't do it this year, but I love talking about the shepherds. Everybody goes, oh, the shepherds. No. These were, these were addicts. They were alcoholics. They were thieves. They were squatters. They weren't even allowed to testify in court. Their reputations were so bad. And yet, who does Jesus pick to go find the Christ child? It's just wonderful. And no, no life has sinned too much for God to not be able to save them on the basis of what Christ did. Okay, now we got Rahab saved. Okay. And, and, and we've, we're learning here, you don't have to be perfect to be, have a personal faith in Christ if you're here and you're not saved. You don't have to reach perfection or go on a self-improvement program. Christ already did that for you. And if you're online, the same is true. Don't let Satan play a mind game with you and make you think that you're the one exception to coming to faith in Christ because you're so bad and you messed up so awfully in the past. That's a lie from hell. God can save anybody he wants to. Just turn to him. But now she's saved, and we're gonna, we're, now we're going to go into a next phase here, a next point under this, uh, 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 this message. And she not only gets saved, but here's what she does. She shows us now how to have powerful faith as a believer. Powerful faith as a believer. This new year, as last year, and as the year before, and the year before, and the year before, we all have and will face some challenges. We're gonna face some dilemmas and we're gonna face some what look like impossibilities, some difficulties and needs uh, that we face every year, every year. Some are bigger, some are smaller, but we're all gonna face them, okay? And the point here is that even though she'd been a prostitute and a Gentile sinner, she was set up for us as a model of saving faith, but, we're also shown here the second truth about uh, faith that we can learn from Rahab, and it's this. Please, if you, if you don't write anything down or remember anything from the message, I really want you to remember this, and it's this. Rahab shows us that living by faith means looking forward to what hasn't happened yet. Rahab teaches us that living by faith means looking forward to what hasn't happened yet. And God is going to call you and he's going to call me to do that, if not dozens of times, hundreds of times this year, both individually and as a church family. 
and as a church family. He's gonna call us to look forward to what hasn't happened yet. And to the degree that we succeed at doing that is to the degree that we will succeed in our Christian life and in growing more as a Christian person. Okay, so let's get into this. Rahab saw the unseen. And uh, this is another great definition of living by faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is about, and that's why I'm taking each person as much as I can individually, that God could teach us over and over again in different ways, but saying the same thing, that living the Christian life is living life by faith in the unseen, what we haven't seen or acquired yet. Okay? That's what it means. Now, what I'm gonna introduce to you now as we go back to Joshua chapter two, is a formula. And I don't like using the word formula. It's, it sounds antiseptic and it's not my favorite word, but I couldn't think of another word. So it's, I'm gonna call it a formula, this, uh, this message today. And we need the formula that Rahab shows us to really, really excel and grow and improve our Christian life this new year. And goodness knows we're gonna get the opportunity. You can't escape it. The question is, what will you do with the opportunity? Will we fold like a cheap wallet? Or will we stand up and declare to see the unseen? Those are the two choices. And Rahab gives us the right choice. So here we go with the formula because we'll need it through the challenges, the dilemmas, the delays, and the difficulties. We'll need it when we need guidance for our future. We'll need it when we're asking God for wisdom or direction. We'll need it when we need comfort in anxious times. And as I said, I will personally use the following formula, if not dozens, a hundred times this year. And the following formula is, what, formula is what enables us to get through and sometimes even above and over our circumstances. Okay, now again, personally and as a church family. So here we go. Now again, uh, our standard definition of faith is in Hebrews 11.1. 1. That's, the, that's the gold standard in, in a nutshell of what faith is. I just wanna read it to you. I know it by heart in the King James. I don't know it by heart in the NIV, so I'll read it to you in the NIV. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for, but, and, but certain of what is unseen yet. Now it's a promise by God, it's in his word, but we haven't seen it yet, but we're gonna say I believe it. That's faith. Okay, now, let's see it in, fleshed out in the life of Rahab. Go back to Joshua 2, and we'll read verses 12 through 21. There are three stages to this formula. I hope you write it down. You'll have ample opportunity to apply this beginning about, let's see, about 11.15 today. Okay, here we go. Verse 12. Now, this is, this is um, Rahab talking to the spies, but she's really talking to God through the spies. Okay, here it goes. Uh, now, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. 
Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will, if you, in other words, if you don't be a tattletale, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. And so she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return and then go on your way. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you have led us down and unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside your house into the streets, his blood will be on his own head and we will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell us what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Verse 21, agreed, she said, let it be as you say. And so she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now there are three stages here. As you go through life, and there is no age thing here today. I don't care if you're like a grade school kid or maybe they're out there, I don't know all the ages, or middle school or high school or college or young adult or adult or and on up the stages of life. It's all the same. This formula is all the same. And it starts with asking. Do you notice how she lays all of her circumstances out in detail from verses 11 through 20? Sincerely, humbly, in detail, her need, her issue, everything. 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 It's our New Testament counterpart is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's, uh, Rahab is doing that back here in the book of Joshua. Do not bypass this step. When you face that wall, when you face your Goliath, when you face your uh, need for wisdom or guidance, when you face that delay or dilemma or difficulty, do not bypass this step. Because if you do, you're, you're not, you haven't started on the right foundation to God's supernatural resolution. Number two, I love number two. Did you, did you notice in verse 21 what it is? Here it is. Look at verse 21. It's small, but it's powerful. Verse 21. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. Yeah. Man, I love that. I, you know what that is? That's believing in faith. Agreed, she said. Let it be as you say. Do not bypass this step. You and I cannot bypass this step if we want to see God do supernatural resolution for our needs and dilemmas. It's by faith that it happens. Let it be as you say. Faith trusts God's promises in his word and through his Holy Spirit. It didn't happen yet. The resolution had not yet come, but she said, I, I agree. Let it be as you say. <clears throat> That's faith. We as Christians are in covenant with God through Christ. And he says to us, 
or the word of God says to us, shall not he who gave up his son for us all, will he not along with him freely give us all things? We are his children. We have to have faith ahead of time. Not after, after the fact, but ahead of time. What a great picture for us. What a great picture for us. Trusting on who God is, what he has done, and what he will do in his time and his way as it coincides with the scripture and through his Holy Spirit. And you say, well, that's all the scripture and the Holy Spirit? That's a lot. Don't ever shortchange God. If it's not according to the scripture and the Holy Spirit, do you really want it in your life? I, we can, I can, we can have, there's a, thousands of testimonies of people that said, you know, I wish I hadn't got what I prayed for. But if God says, I'll provide your need according to my word and my promises through the Holy Spirit, it's a done deal. If you spread the matter before me and you trust me before it happens. It doesn't have to be a large amount of trust. It can be trust. Faith is a grain of a mustard seed. Okay. And then the third part of this formula for successful Christian resolution and victory, and that is obeying God. Okay? Obeying God. Lay it out. Trust God. Drive a, a stake in the ground. God, I believe you're going to provide this, this uh, uh, promise that you've given me through your word or through the Holy Spirit directly. And then you have to obey. And how did she obey in verse 21? Look at verse 21 of uh, Joshua chapter 2. How did uh, Rahab obey everybody? It's not, it's not a trick question. Okay? She let the cord out. She let the cord out. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. That's called obedience. And along with not letting her family out of her house, okay, and along with uh, warning the spies, she obeyed God. Okay, she, she did what God told her to do. And all of these great requirements um, are what, or, or all of these requirements are a way that we experience victory and resolution with whatever we'll face this new year. That's what Rahab teaches us. It's a beautiful thing. Let's go to the, the third one here. The third truth about faith that we can learn from Rahab is that faith in God's word and promises will result in abundant blessings and resolutions. I, this is not a big, long point, but it's really kind of the cherry on top of the, of the Sunday here. If you go up to Joshua chapter 6 and look at verses 20 through 25, look what happens when she gives the matter unto the Lord. Look what happens when she says, agreed, let it be as you say, she expresses faith. Look what happens when she lets the cord out, when she keeps her family in the house. Look what happens when she uh, warns the spies. Here it is, when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city, and they devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. And Joshua said to the two men had, uh, who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out, and all who belonged to her in accordance with your oath to her. And I'm thinking, how did that happen? The wall collapsed. I'll tell you how it happened. It happened because God wanted it to happen. It was a miracle. 
It was just a miracle. Okay, let's keep going here. Where did I leave off? Um, verse 21. 21, thank you. Um, 22, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young man who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab without a speck of dust on her. I threw that in there, but I just had to. Her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her without a speck of dust on them, no drywall dust on them. They didn't have drywall back then. And they brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron in the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. I'll tell you what, is there any better place in the Bible where the miraculous deliverance and resolution and blessing of God is shown to those who spread the matter out before the Lord who trust in faith that he'll be true to his uh, promises and to, the, and to his Holy Spirit and obey him. Is there any place in Scripture that it's clear that God will provide abundant blessings and abundant resolution escaping from or through terrible situations? What greater result from Rahab's faith could come from that? Listen, God doesn't want us to have a new year, listen, where we feel defeated. You agree with me with that? He doesn't want us to go through a new year where we feel defeated all the time. He's not going to spare us from trials. I'm not going to lie to you about that. But he doesn't want us to go through the new year feeling defeated and under our circumstances. But if we... Lay it before the Lord. If we say, agreed, let it be as you say, Lord, according to your promises and your faithfulness, and we obey him in whatever it is that is our part to obey him in, we will get the kind of resolution and victory in his time and way, in his time and way, but we'll get the the, the kind of resolution that is talked about here for Rahab and her family. Don't even doubt it. Just don't doubt it. All right, let's go on. A few more here. Uh, switching gears. Uh, fourthly, the fourth truth about faith we can learn from Rahab is that Rahab teaches us that true faith, true faith uh, is always accompanied by fruitful works. True faith is always accompanied by fruitful works and, 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 and growth and obedience. It's not just uh, I believe, it's I believe and I'm obedient and I'm growing in fruit and works uh, uh, to God. Go back to J- uh, James chapter 2. This is where we have the other, one of the other mentionings of, um, of uh, Rahab in James 2. And it's in context of a whole argument about does uh, faith and works and how they interplay with each other in the salvation experience. But I'm just going to read you verse 25 and 26. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging for the, to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? 
As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And what that's saying here, because this is a whole message in and of itself, and I'm not going to go through a whole other message, but basically what it's saying about Rahab is this. Rahab shows us that true faith always issues itself in action. If a faith in Christ is really true, there's going to be action, works, growth, spiritual fruit to back it up. Now, don't ask me what level. Jesus said some 30%, some 60%, some 100%. I'm not about amounts here. But if we're truly a Christian, Rahab shows us, if we're truly a believer, there's going to be some works, fruit, obedience, and growth in our lives that shows us that we are. I'm not going to say this a variety of ways here. Faith that saves is always accompanied by works that confirm that faith. Jesus said in John 15, I don't have this for the screen, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I ordained you to go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That's what Jesus said. I chose you and the, and the result of uh, reality of that choice is, bears itself out in f- spiritual fruit and growth and, and works and obedience to God. Doesn't mean we're perfect people, obviously, but it, it does mean there will be uh, works that result. Now, the end of that passage in Ephesians chapter 2, listen closely. Uh, For it is by grace, verse 8, Ephesians 2, that you have been saved through faith. And this, not from God, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we not only are saved uh, through faith, that faith is God's gift to us. We're, I'm going to read it again. For it is by grace you have been saved. God saves us by his grace through faith. And that faith doesn't even come from us. It comes from God, not by works so that no one can boast. And here's the verse. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I always think, I wonder what good works he had prepared in advance for me to do. I hope I don't miss any of them. You know, I want to do all the ones he said that he prepared in advance for me to do. But, but a true faith results in obedience and works and fruit and growth. Okay, I love the story of four preachers. So you know this is going to be a long story, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, there's a story about four preachers who were discussing the merits of the various Bible translations. One preacher liked the King James Version the best because of the poetry of the language, and another liked the American Revised Standard Version because of its being closer to the original Hebrew and Greek language. The third preacher liked the New International Version because of its up-to-date vocabulary, but the fourth preacher was silent for a moment, and he said, you know, you know which translation I like the best? I like my mother's translation the best because she translated the Word of God into her life. And it was the most convincing translation I ever saw. (laughs) How well are we translating the words of the Bible in how we live our lives? How how well are we doing that? True faith always accompanies, is accompanied by fruitful works, okay, by growth. Somebody once said, a fruitless Christian is an oxymoron, okay? Rahab is an example of a fruitful believer. She hung out the cord. She kept her family indoors, which would be no small feat. 
you know, that amount of time. And she um, d helped deliver the spies. Okay? Obedience, works, fruit. Proving her faith by her works. We don't get saved by works. But our works show that we have been saved. God declares us righteous by his sovereign grace through faith, but that finished work is demonstrated or evidenced by works. I like this um, statement by the late Adrian Rogers, one of my all-time faves. I've been waiting all week to read this. He said, nature forms us, sin deforms us, the world conforms us, education informs us, but faith transforms us. I was expecting kind of an ooh or an ah after that, but I guess I was wrong. Too much sugar the last week, and you're just kind of, uh. But here's a woman who was transformed by faith. Someone else put it this way, if we were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? Someone put it this way, no fruit, no root. Okay. Let's go to the last two points here about Rahab. The fifth truth about Rahab, uh, the, about faith from the life of Rahab is Rahab's situation shows us that faith in the blood of Christ is what enables the soul of a sinner to be saved. Faith in the blood of Christ is what enables the soul of the sinner to be saved. What color was the cord that Rahab hung out the window? I almost yelled it, you know, so I'd get a good answer later on, right? But it's scarlet. It's scarlet. It's red, okay? That's a red cloth. Reminiscent of the Passover lamb that was killed and smeared on the doorposts and the lintels of the house forming the shape of a cross when the angel of death passed over the Israelites' homes because blood was shed and uh, saved them from being destroyed. Now, again, what does the scarlet cord represent? In general, safety through sacrifice. Safety through sacrifice. Now, I know some of you are thinking, you're pulling the rabbit out of your hat with this one. And you've got to be careful of being a hypertyper. You know, you know what a hypertyper is? They take all, everything in the Old Testament and they make something else out of it, right? Especially like from the books of Leviticus or... So, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and this represents that, and this represents that. They go way overboard. I don't think I'm going way overboard here. Okay. In fact, Clement of Rome, an early church father, thought the red cord was a symbol of the blood of Christ, and Rahab was a symbol of the church because through it she obtained safety for her family. All I know is when they saw that red cord, they did not destroy her home. And when God sees the blood of Christ applied to our lives, he will not destroy us but take us into an eternity in heaven with Christ rather than an eternity in hell. Praise his name. Okay. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21 just kind of finishes off that thought. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And so this picture here with Rahab is a picture of the blood of Christ that enables the soul of a sinner to be saved. And then our last point this morning here, what we can learn from the life of Rahab is that faith enables us to grow 
forward beyond our past. Rahab teaches us that faith enables us to grow forward beyond our past. And now we're going to go to the verses in the Bible that do not mention Rahab as a prostitute or a harlot. Yes, this is going to be good. Matthew chapter 1, get your Bible there or look up on the screen. It's that great, greatest of all genealogies in the Bible. Okay, it goes from beginning to end. Well, almost beginning to end. And I just, I don't obviously have time to read through this because we're going to take the Lord's Supper here in a moment. But I want us to look at verses 5 and 6. And I've been struggling with this word salmon because I want to say salmon. We're from the Northwest here. Okay. Isn't this how we spell salmon? Yeah. So salmon, the father of Boaz, um, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And then it goes up in verse 16, it says, and through David came Christ the Messiah. So what's the point here? Faith enables us to grow forward past, uh, uh, forward beyond our past. Faith in Christ enables us to completely put our past behind us. And some of us have a past. Some of you are sitting there, Mitch, I got a past. Man, do I ever have a past. And you know some of that, Mitch, because you've known me for a year or two or 10 or 30 or whatever. But don't we all have a past, really? But, you know, some of us are bound by our past. Satan is good at that. He's good at making us slaves to our past and thinking that past defines me. It defines me. It's much more so than I want to be defined. I failed. I sinned. I bottomed out. I deep-sixed. I, 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 just, I just bombed, and I can't get that off me or out of me or away from me. Well, I've got good news for you. If Rahab could do it, so can you, okay? Your past is a thing of the past. Now, that's what the devil doesn't want you to know and experience, nor me. Do you ever find yourself cogitating about something you did one, two, 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago? It's gone. And that's where we get the, uh, the genealogy. It's the only place where, her not, is, where she is not mentioned as the prostitute. Her past is wiped out. Why? Because she entered into the line of Christ. And when we entered into the line of Christ by God's grace through faith, our past was erased in the sight of God. It's gone whether we feel, think, or act like it. Too often, you and I as Christians live a lie. And the lie is that our past is still seen by God when it's not. Rahab wasn't defined or identified by her past sins or mistakes or background anymore. God redefined her. He put her in a new lineage, a new line, the line of Christ. From a fallen woman to a chosen woman, from a bad girl to a good bride, from a mess to a mother, from a prostitute into the path of Messiah. God took Rahab from self-contempt, shame, sin, hopelessness, and rejection all the way to faith's hall of fame. And he did it for you and me too. He took us from an ugly past and put us on a new path in the line of Jesus. 
Just like he took Rahab from an old fallen identity to a new risen identity, he did that for every true Christian. Don't let Satan punish us with our past. Let us remember we're in a new path because we're now identified as one with Christ by the Holy Father. And so to summarize here, I want to I summarize with two basic things and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. First, Rahab shows us that there is hope for anybody to be saved by faith in Christ. And this is true no matter what their experiences in life have been. You can't be too bad to be saved because that's all on God, not on you. And God loves to save sinners. I mean, you can be put into the line of Christ by God's grace through faith if you'll repent of your sin. Maybe you're out watching online if you repent of your sin and you trust in Christ as Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins for eternal life. You can be put into the new line of Christ. And for those of us that are believers, it shows us here that um, once we're in God's family, faith in his word and his power and his uh, presence and his promises will give us victory and resolution over the intimidating, difficult, confusing circumstances that we will face this year as a church and as individuals if we trust him. Sound good for this new year? Sounds good to me. I didn't get a good one on that, so I'll try it again. Sound good to you this new year? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this incredible picture of Rahab. Thank you. Help us to apply it to our lives and not get robbed of the resolution and the renewal and the revival and the reconstruction of our lives that you so want to give us. And for anyone here right now, they're facing already, it's a new year, but they're, they're facing challenges. They're facing confusion. They're facing delays and dilemmas and difficulties right now as they're sitting in their chair. Help them to go through that formula, even if they have to go through it a thousand times. Help us to go. Help them to go through that formula, laying it before you, saying, agreed, let it be as you say, in faith, and obeying you in the areas that they are shown, and then watch you resolve. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we take the Lord's Supper this morning, what I would like to do is go back to point number five, scarlet cord. Real, real simple, you know what I'm gonna say already. But the scarlet cord represented the blood, it is typed out as, can be, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, it's really a safety through sacrifice picture. That cord hanging down provided safety for Rahab and her family. The blood of Jesus shed for our sins protects us and has, from the judgment of God and has washed us from our sin. And so as we take this symbol of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, let's remember that, that that's what the blood of Christ is, a safety issue. And it's caused us to be washed and cleansed of our sin and to be born again 
through the grace of God in the new life. And so I'm going to go to, um, and so we're going to just thank him for this. I'm going to go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and share this with you, and then I'd have you t- partake after me. 1 Corinthians 11:23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then, in verse 25, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it um, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's stand together as we are dismissed this morning in prayer. Father, we stand before you in utter gratitude that you give us ways to deal with life uh, no matter what is thrown at us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've baptized us into yourself through the Holy Spirit and you've given us a new hope for this new year and for life beyond that. And uh, God bless, uh, God bless our, our family, church family, as we continue to look for a new pastor this new year. And as we uh, bless the search committee as they endeavor to do that. And bless everything that we do to, to go to your glory. Thank you, Lord, for your, your tender, precious care for us, giving us these Old Testament models of faith to pattern our life after. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>